Dude, hey, good Monday afternoon from the heart of Fred Alley. You know, I did that whole intro with one arm playing the drums. Oh, a little Def Leppard nod. <laughs> a little Def Leppard nod. How was your weekend, my friend? It was good. We had a nice relaxing one. You know, we, yeah. we brought Randy Savage home um, a couple weeks ago. So we were still awesome. doing the training and he still has a little anxiety. We tried, we did a little testing of him like in his crate alone yeah, 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 yeah. and went out and he pooed in the crate and it was rough on him. But aside from that, he's integrating really well. Take a look at him over the weekend. Yeah, I saw this. Look at this. He sells this move like a like a he, he did. He jumped hard. He jumped, across he the jumped room hard, here. dude. He's awesome. He's like Gunnar Miller almost. He is like Gunnar Miller. I think he learned that move over at Gunnar Miller's warehouse that we stopped <laughs> by and did his podcast. Look, now they're just tearing the duck apart. They're like, they're like best friends now. She thinks that that's her baby. And uh she's oh, yeah. super protective. That is oh yeah, no kidding. What did yeah. you get into over there? That weekend? is really really not much. I just I hung out. I I uh produced uh finally got the, the latest song yeah. out. That's we'll true. Hear it, we'll hear it later. We'll I hear it at the, end of the show, at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the title? Uh, I Can't Stand AB5. I heard a uh, reporter already reached out to you about uh, your song. Yeah, apparently Bloomberg's <laughs> interested in finding out what the deal is here. Wow. Right? Right, well, I'm famous or infamous or going the, to jail or yeah, something. I don't know. Band. At well, least it wasn't Clarissa Haas, because that's never good when she knocks. You don't want to be in her story. No. <laughs> well, we got a lot to get into today. We're going to talk about how Peloton's pivoting away from freight. We got unique police chases, a new song from you and Carl's Jr.'s John Brewer. UBS Teamsters fired up ahead of contract talks, uh, the latest news, and a bunch of great guests. Let's tip the band, and we'll get to some headlines. Search Transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Non-competes chase away good talent and stop talented people from joining the supply chain industry. Tear up your non-compete. It is not enforceable. Instead, you're going to want to email jobs at searchtransportation.com and do what? Oh, then you're going to open up your own office tomorrow. Headlines. That's what you're going to do. Beautiful. Can't perform without that. Peloton is going to outsource all its final mile deliveries as part of a broad revamp. Peloton's been like the story of the pandemic for all of yeah. the challenges that they had. Their stock was going crazy, going blockbuster. You know, everyone's trying to buy all these Pelotons. They yeah. couldn't get them here. They were even sending air freight. Well, I guess they took the extreme measure of also starting to become their own uh, delivery, their own carrier delivery 3PL arm. Well, it's an end of an error. Mark Solomon, he's got the story up on FreightWaves.com if you want to read the full thing, but it says they're turning over all their final mile warehousing and delivery functions to their existing partners, JB Hunt and XPO Logistics. They're going to end that final mile delivery operations. The shift's going to occur in the coming weeks. So if there's something still in the pipeline, they're still going on, but they're, uh, they're winding it down. They're also going to close all 16 warehouses that have supported in-house deliveries. This is a tough business retailers, Peloton, yeah. out there. Yeah. Just because Amazon did it doesn't mean you necessarily can. Yeah, no, no, no. You need to do it with density, and you can do a lot of density when it's just your product. But you're just right; they product. were like the they were like Peloton was like the poster child of, the, of COVID, right? They were. They was it was like wow, they're air freighting. Things must really be bad, yeah. right? It was crazy. But so the cuts, Peloton says the cut, the moves will cut their costs, their per product delivery costs by fifty percent. And President and CEO Barry McCarthy said in a memo in which he laid out a broad restructuring of the New York based company. The shift will also result in a 
significant reduction yeah. of Peloton's delivery workforce. That's including those 16 warehouses. And that... Including 16 warehouses. Well, I guess those supported the, the home delivery thing, those yeah. warehouses. Too. Anyways. I, yeah. I still know some people looking for warehouse and warehouse space. If you are, hey, Peloton's leaving some vacant, so go yeah, right down. You want to dial up Peloton and find mm-hmm. out where those are. What's interesting, though, is we don't know exactly how much of their final mile delivery was handled in-house and no. out-house. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't say they haven't copped to it, so we don't know. Another part of the restructuring... Where have you heard this before? Prices are getting raised on their bikes. <laughs> what? And, uh, Come on. No And way. goods. Tell me if you've heard this one before. Another excuse. Supply chain ate my homework. Yeah. Very smart gentleman from my Amazon Web Services said that one to us. We're two years into this supply chain crisis now. It's still a mess. And many of the things, right, that were missing yeah, in the beginning, yeah, we're still yeah. dealing with all this stuff. Now they're coming for your snacks. It says what? right here, Hostess brand CFO Travis Leonard, he said in August, unfortunately, you can't make a Twinkie with only 95% of the ingredients. Supply chain dive report, snack maker Mondelez CEO Dirk Van Dirk Vandeput said in a Q-Tour earnings call last month, <laughs> That's supply up. chain constraints have limited production of biscuits, including brands such as Nilla, Nutta Butter, and Belveda. Wow. Okay. All right. I, I I don't know Twinkies, but hey, it's not just there though, dude. In the food aisle, it's not just in the food well, we, you aisle. Know, we talked right? about the Halloween the candy, up. and I was in Walmart yesterday, and like yeah. they were warning her. She was like, "Oh, we won't have the holiday Halloween." This is a lie. I was at Walmart, what? and they had like <laughs> they had Reese's peanut butter cup bats. Those were like brand new. They had white chocolate ghosts. They had the pumpkins. Well, I, we talked about this before. Anybody who's gone shopping f- at the day after Halloween knows that they have never hit their demand targets. No. They always have 50% way over. That is left there. But anyways, it's not just a snack aisle. It ate the homework of Aurora Innovations as well. They've delayed the launch of their self-driving vehicle on account of what it says are supply chain shortfalls. Hmm. Now, they're saying that theirs are, uh, it won't be on track anymore. It won't hit the roads until 2024. They were supposed to be here in 2023. They were supposed to be here in 2023. And they're not jumping. Like Elon, for example, with the semi, he said later this year, Cybertruck next year, we did not buy that. Uh, Aurora is just yet another manufacturer having these troubles or at least using the supply chain excuse. They joined Too Simple, who delayed their truck all the way till 2025. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of people blaming the guy they just fired, right, for I'm, everything that was screwed up. <laughs> I don't know. They, they blame the unprecedented global supply-based challenges. Uh. Yeah, and could be tough. Uh, Embark in a lot of trouble too with what they're uh, trying to get off the ground. So yeah, that's space true. pretty imperiled right now. Chip Tech maybe can't come soon enough for them. I look, I know that there's a lot of difficulty here. If you look at what OEMs are doing, a lot of the stuff like we were looking for a minivan and a lot of like yeah. the features that were supposed to be in the 2022s, they like in, interior vacuums, like not major things, but like heated seats, interior vacuums, they're not in the 2022 models. No, no, no. And no. if you want to get the EV version of them, good luck. That just that inventory just does not exist. Yeah, it's not there. It's not there. Not there at all. It's not there. If, if you're looking for Twinkies, I think I got some boxes from the 80s sitting in my closet. Remember they never they, die. Remember when nobody ate them, but then they threatened us that they were going to cancel them, and then everyone yeah. like was up in arms? Yeah, everybody's yeah. pissed off. I still haven't had a Twinkie. When's the last time you ate one? It's got to be years. They're not good. I'm going to say 25 good. years at least. How about this as a getaway car? Let's take a look at this video right now. What you're looking at here is... Uh, Washington County Sheriff's Office in Oregon says deputies knew Jesse B. Shaw had three warrants and was wanted for stealing a car. They found him at a property north of Banks driving this excavator, and he ignored commands to surrender. They said it excavated quickly. Shaw drove the excavator over (laughs) half a mile with deputies falling on foot until he stopped. (laughs) Did you say it excavated quickly? I did. (laughs) That was very nice. (laughs) He was was arrested for attempting to elude police. Is that guy on the grenade launcher? Is that like tear gas? 
Yes. Uh, uh, it looked like a tear. It's got to be. Tear not, they're not, surely to God, they're not going to do that, right? <laughs> was he on meth? Yeah. Well, well uh, okay. So one of his warrants was, was for that. So he's arrested for attempting to elude police. And you, you're watching the video yeah. there. A stolen car charges and three warrants of delivering meth in uh, Columbia County. Wow. Yeah, crazy stuff. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, I, does he distribute like a, meth with the excavator, you think? Well, it seemed like that was more of an impromptu thing. I think if he was going to make it his delivery vehicle, he might do something like this guy did in the movie Thread. I'm not sure if you've seen this documentary, but take a look at this Thread. trailer. Yeah. This dude's crazy, obviously. This guy took a bulldozer that he, like, retrofitted into a tank. A killdozer. It was a killdozer. And he went around Colorado, and he just smashed his tank. Do you remember he what, he was, reputation what he was doing? I mean, he was an outdoorsman. Um, it was it was it was, it was something like local laws or something he felt were oppressive and were targeting him. Wasn't that what it was? Welding, I guess so. I think that's I think that's what it was. He just I mean, it's just not like this guy snapped and went on rampage. No, this guy was off the edge for a long time. <laughs> he spent a long time just building this vehicle, yeah. and he went through multiple iterations. And then he re- like he needed it. He, it needed air conditioning and stuff like that. He put like a wall air conditioning unit right inside the truck to keep himself cool? No, he had plans to uh, use this to destroy the entire town, and he knew it was going to take more than a day or two to get it done, and he was prepared to make that happen. You know, in all this rampage, though, he didn't kill anybody. The only person who died at his hands was himself. Yeah, he eventually right. got cornered by the police, and yeah. it ends up being... I mean, I mean that's the good news. It kind of, it, I mean, on a less serious note, it reminds me of Austin Powers when he runs that dude over with the... Uh, the, uh, the here he comes out of here. At least, at least excavator guy didn't do this. Huge By the way, if you're interested in seeing Fred, I just looked on YouTube. It is there for free. It's like 90 minute documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is great. Any time. Crazy. To do something. To right, go. Let's stop this tape. Cool enough. Cool enough, man. But uh, one last thing we got to headline number four here is oh, Fox Chattanooga. This is a good one. Fox Chattanooga yeah. reports that Chattanooga will soon be home to the nation's largest electric vehicle living ten- test bed. Thanks to $9.2 million in federal funding for a project proposed by the city and scientists at the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, right over there. Yeah, right, right around the corner. I mean, well, like two blocks away. Yeah. You're hey, excited about it? it yeah, absolutely, man. It's Freight Alley, dude. Where it's, else are you going to do this? It's coming from that $4.5 million USDOT grant award, the single largest of its kind in UTC history. And another $4.7 million from industry partners, UTC, Chattanooga City Government, and EPB. Y- What's really cool about this is what they're actually trying to test is the way people actually interact with chargers, right? <laughs> they're putting them on chargers out. They're seeing the usage of it and how they can network with the OEMs uh, to get people to not all arrive at chargers at the same time. I think they realize this is an obvious problem that is right on the horizon as these things spill out and proliferate. Uh, uh, hopefully, uh, aside from everybody arriving at the same time for these chargers and et cetera, they're going to figure out how people like uh, in a neighborhood uh, close to where you live are yeah. going to be able to park on the street and charge their vehicles, right? Yeah. Just in residentials. Good stuff. Well, hey, you know, we got our first guest here at Scott Cornell, National Practice Lead for Transportation Crime and Theft Specialist over at Travelers. And this time, Michael Vincent, it looks like he's on video. Scott, yeah, good to see town. you this time, my friend. Yeah, I apologize that you're going to see me uh, this time. You know, so. <laughs> Sweet. We're looking forward to it. Look, good at that, but it's, it's fun to do it this way, and I've been uh, happy to be back. Thanks for having us. Well, now that we can see you, where are you sitting right now? Where in the world are you at? I'm in Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona. 
Lovely, lovely time to be in Phoenix right now. Well, when you come on, you usually tell us about all of the threats that are going on in cargo and delivery. We've gotten to labor shortages and all those things. But one thing we've been going a lot deeper into is peak season because that is coming up. So hopefully we can talk to you today a little bit about thefts in peak season. And I want to focus on technology. Let's talk about that, Scott. So last time we talked, you know, uh, we talked about how during the pandemic year 2020, we saw a shift. We've seen a lot of shifts. Uh, the, the commodities being targeted flip-flopped a lot from 2020 until now. So between 2010 and 2020, food and beverage was the number one stolen commodity. Then we hit the pandemic year and we saw household goods take over that number one spot. Mm. But then in 2021, whether it was due to shortages, things like that, we saw a shift to electronics. And it was primarily being targeted in Southern California, very heavily in Southern California. Now, that's not to say we didn't see it all over the country. We did. But really heavy targeting in Southern California. That started second half, fourth quarter of 2021, and it's carried into 2022. We're still seeing some real targeting on that. Yeah, it's crazy. So now it brings us up to here. We're in 2022. We're coming into the beginning of the holiday peak season, right? What can we look for? What are the trends that we should be looking for moving forward? Well, as we always say during the holiday season, first of all, we always expect that kind of fourth quarter bump, right? And this year, everybody's saying that a lot of the Christmas cargo is going to be on the road a little bit earlier than it has been in the past, right? To try and get ahead of some of the supply chain and things like that. So we expect, you know, that fourth quarter bump that we usually see. And we expect more targeting of electronics. Keep in mind, it's it's not just us out there shopping for Christmas. The bad guys are out there shopping for Christmas mm -hmm. as well. And, you know, it's going to be things like video game consoles, uh, the latest tablets, TVs, cell phones, you name it. And we see some companies will actually have those loads. If it's brand new technology, let's say they're going to release a brand new phone or a brand new gaming console. Sometimes we'll actually see those loads escorted. And we've seen that over the past probably 10 years really increase where that first release, that that stuff that you don't want anywhere except on the shelves when it comes to the market for the first time, actually having physical escorts and escort vehicles go with it out on the road. Wow. Well, I, I didn't know escorts were so prevalent. It sounds like the risk I had no idea. Is, is that what happens, though, when they, 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 they make this theft? Where is it like where do they stash this stuff? Where are the stash houses? What are they doing with it? So that's a great question. We've seen a big shift in that, too, over the last, let's say, five, maybe 10 years. So 10, 12 years ago, if you had a load of electronics or pretty much anything else, if you'd been doing this type of thing for a long time, you know, I've been I've been around cargo theft for 25 years or, or more. And there's several people out there to do it. You, you could pretty much figure out where if it was stolen here, this is probably where it's going to go based on this mm -hmm. commodity, things like that. And most of it would stay domestic, but over the last maybe 10 years, we've seen a slow shift to moving a lot of it internationally. And now I would say when it comes to electronics, we're seeing a good chunk of it moved internationally very quickly. And, and we think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's very traceable now, right? Uh, almost everything you buy that's electronic is going to be tagged on the internet. You're going to register a warranty on the internet, or you're going to connect to the internet in some way, which makes it a lot more traceable. So we think that they don't want that sitting in the United States, you know, as much as they used to. So they're trying to move it out of the country. Plus, there's a big market moving out of the country. You know, the the, the economy is a global economy, and cargo thieves are taking advantage of that as well.
Yeah, it's crazy. You know, in a former life, I had a whole 40-foot container of flat-screen TV stolen. We found the chassis the next day. It took them 24 hours. Boom. Is it possible for humans to get ahead of this? And before a load gets stolen and gets shipped out of the country, is there anything that we can do to prevent this? Notification is key. The minute you think something's up, the minute you know a load isn't showing up uh, when it's supposed to or it's behind schedule, you can't get in touch with anybody who you've you know uh, who you've worked with to move that load. You need to make notification. You need to bring in resources right away. Me- earlier, immediate uh, notification of a theft is key. That first twenty-four to forty-eight hours really increases your ability to recover. You know they're going to move as quickly as they can to launder the cargo, meaning they're going to take it out of whatever, you know, if it was in a truck or a trailer or a chassis or not a chassis, a, a, you know, an intermodal container, they're going to try and move it out, put it in another container, move, put it into another uh, truck and sort of launder it so they can get it back into the supply chain, move it out across, uh, you know, across the globe, wherever the, it is that they intend to move it to. So the earlier your notification, the sooner you can cut off their ability to do that. And even if you put a lot of heat around the missing cargo, that makes it harder for them to move it and launder it. So in my own past life, too, before I was sitting on this desk, on the other side of the desk, I was at brokerages and dealing with shippers. Late shipments can ruin relationships between Mm. brokers and carriers. What happens to the impact on relationships with stolen goods? Are, Are these part of the agreements? How is this being handled right now? It's it's exactly the same, right? I mean, if the load doesn't get there, it's the same impact. It's the same effect, right? Um, so you see a lot of uh, shippers actually have specific security requirements around some of their loads, how they want things transported and the security they want put into place. Sometimes you'll actually see a separate contract. We'll have their, their regular shipper contract and they'll have an actual security contract that's separate from that and they had their expectations in there. We work with our clients a lot of times when they get that kind of an arrangement to get them up to speed, help them uh, put all the things in place that they need to do. There are a lot of resources out there for companies that really want to up their security. One of the best ones that we talk about is TAPA, the Transported Asset Protection Association. This uh, is a, a not-for-profit global organization that sets um, supply chain security standards across the uh, across the globe, you can get TAPA certified, whether it's in uh, truckload, warehouse, cyber standards. Uh, they put out great standards. So if you're looking for a reference point, you know, how do we set these things up? You can use that. And as we've talked about in the past, we have our team here that works directly with our clients to help them set up those uh, those security standards that they need to and harden their supply chain. But, but it's going to damage a relationship if you have theft after theft. Mm-hmm. So Uh, To your point, you know, it has the same impact as not delivered, late, things like that. Yeah, so Scott, I'm curious. You laid kind of down the the timeline of different things that were being stolen throughout the pandemic and led us up to this point right here. I'm curious, and I'm sure many others are as well, does inflationary trends have an effect or impact on what is being stolen or what is being targeted by these thieves? Absolutely. The golden rule with cargo thieves is they're going to steal what they know they can sell. So if it's in high demand, if the value is up, right, whether it's because of inflation, because of demand, because of shortages, things like that, they're going to target those things. And we know that that's part of the targeting of electronics is that there there were shortages in 2021. So, you know, that led them there and the values are up. So they're going to target that kind of thing and they're going to take advantage of that additional sales price that they can get on the back end, so to speak. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? The economy goes goes down, costs go up. Yeah. What are people going to do? They're going to they're going to steal it and flood that black market. If yeah, they, absolutely. If they can. So you mentioned one of your tips was have the notifications. But wouldn't it even be better if we just didn't have them steal it in the first place? Is there some <laughs> way we can prevent it so we don't need to have that notification? Yeah, well, you know, notification is critical, though. I can't stress that enough. You know, the industry, when you look at some of the industry stats out there uh, related to notification, there is uh, somewhat of a delay. We're actually working on some technology in the form of an app or a platform that would allow our clients to notify us quickly of a theft so that we can respond. So I can't say enough about instant notification as soon as you know. But but prevention is key. We always say, you know, let's let's try and prevent the thefts from happening. And, and our team that we talked about before is available 24-7, 365 for our clients, not only on, on a response, but to work on prevention. So we always take a three-part process with our clients. And the, and the, the first step is always going to be good process and procedures, you know, educating the drivers, making them aware of what's going on when it comes to mm-hmm. theft, you know, what they're hauling, where it's being stolen, how it's being stolen. And if you don't have these good process and procedures in place, you know, how to park, when to stop, where to stop, uh, you know, secure parking, things like that, then then the rest of it isn't really going to be as effective as you want it to be. So you have to have that good process and procedures in place. And the good news about those is most of the time those are free, right? It's just creating a culture around theft prevention and knowledge and understanding of it. The second layer is when you get into hard locking security devices, high security rear door locks. Uh, landing gear locks if you're going to stage the load, air cuff locks, things like that. And that's a good added layer. Use good quality products for that added to your process on where to park, when to park, you know, where to be, things like that, and the awareness around the drivers and and educating the drivers. And then the last and third layer that we usually talk about is the use of technology, whether it's covert tracking uh, so that you can, you know, geofence the loads, route fence the loads, uh, have a better recovery. If you do have that instant notification and you have tracking in there, that's a great combination. Hey, we notified right away and we can track that load. That's going to really up your chances at recovering if you do have a theft. You know, here at Travelers, we provide a lot of training. Uh, Our consultants go out, evaluate the security protocols, like I said, and we work with the owners to, to try and put all these different layers in place so that they can prevent Excellent. the thefts from happening in the first place. Really good. Right hey, Scott, Scott, thank you so much for your time today. Peak season's coming up. Protect your cargo. Protect those relationships. Have happy Christmas trees. Check out Travelers. Thank you so much, sir. Great to see you guys. Take care. You too, Thanks, Scott. Take it easy. Excellent stuff, man. It's yeah. crazy. You got to be careful. You know, and shippers don't often think enough about stolen goods, right? Right. They're arriving on time, but they don't consider that enough. Like when I was doing sales, I never had someone be like, well, what if it gets stolen? Yeah. What yeah, 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 yeah. You know how you find really the, the high cargo stuff, the high value stuff on an LTL dock? What? You look for the black shrink wrap. Black shrink wrap. Wait, <laughs> let's go over to Nashville. Let's take a look. A new friend over here. I want to thank Tennessee, not the state, the girl for connecting us over here. Oh. Andy Shell's president and co-founder at Silo. Silo? Silo. Is it Silo? Silo. Silo. Yes, I sir. Silo. I'm like reading. I'm like, see, I have like the perfect knack for misreading everything that you put in front of me. <laughs> It's uh, it's my skill. Yeah, I, I was gifted this way, Andy. <laughs> Years to perfect. I love it. Where in Nashville are you? I love the backdrop. Yeah, yeah. So we're right here in uh, beautiful downtown Nashville. Um, luckily, it's a pretty day here, but I think you can see Printer's Alley there off to the side. We're in the uh, old Bank of America building. Um, it's basically Fourth and Union, kind of close to the Capitol building. Um, we just moved into a new office here in the last couple of weeks, and yeah, we love it here. 
Sweet. Andy, is it true this all started with a $40,000 loan? So there is some truth to that, yes. Um, I took a $40,000 loan from my dad. This is almost a decade ago. Um, and started uh, a small brokerage out of South Carolina, One Point Logistics. Um, we were acquired in 2018. And then kind of parlayed some of those, um, you know, fortunes in, into uh, starting Silo with a, a few more bucks this time around. Awesome stuff. So, Silo, you guys are heavy in the industry, obviously. What are you seeing in the market right now? What are some of the trends you're seeing? Yeah, so we're we're 100% spot spot freight. So we mm-hmm. do feel the the certainly the the ebbs and flows here. That being said, about 70% of our loads are some form of open deck. So we actually didn't really feel any sort of softening until the latter part of June, which is typically a pretty strange time for flatbeds because it's typically peak season. But it, it finally, you know, capacity finally caught up in June on the flatbed side. Certainly on the van side, you know, 30% of our freight is, is also moving on enclosed trailers. And mm. we felt that softening in, in March as well. Well, you know, what everyone asks us here or the, the, on everyone's tip on everyone's tongue is what is going to happen this peak season, right? How are things going to play out? What is your thoughts on that? How do you see peak season playing out? It just doesn't feel like the van market really has that much farther to go down. Like there's, there's a floor on, on what these folks can operate for, especially in the spot market when they're paying at the pump fuel prices. So, you know, at minimum, you got to think on the van side, there's going to be an uptick. Uh, flatbed, unfortunately, does have some room to go if, if it keeps kind of pushing that direction. Um, so I think kind of TBD on that side. But I think at minimum, everybody's expecting some sort of uptick on the van side going into peak retail. Yeah, so Andy, you you said something earlier. You said that uh, capacity on the flatbed side or open deck side caught up. So when you're saying that it's kind of softening there a little bit, is it coming down the demand or has there been an increase in the capacity? Um, I just want to clarify that. It it feels to be more on the capacity side. We actually just did a a shipper partner survey recently. uh, And a few of the, the feedback that we got from some of our customers were, their business is up year over year, 40% from last year. Um, this is heavy industrial open deck machinery. Um, and so for the rates to, to kind of, uh, you know, fall as quick as they have here in the last month and a month and a half on the flatbed side, you have to, you got to point towards the capacity a little bit more than the, the demand. Yeah. 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 That gives a little bit more insight into where that market is going, right? Yeah. So I see that. Enough serious stuff. I see online all the time pictures of the Nashville Transportation Club out at bars. <laughs> hanging. No, listen to me. A lot of transportation clubs are pretty lame. It's like hanging out at the VFW or something. It's <laughs> yeah, pretty true. rare to find one that's pretty cool. Right, and I got to be right. curious. You opened your office over in Nashville. Why is Nashville a great place to open a 3PL and to work for a place like your company? It's a it's a booming city. I, I've been here for four plus years. Um, we've got a fantastic partnership with MTSU. Um, so a lot of our kind of um, new college grad talent comes in uh, via that channel. But, you know, on the flip side, I think the last three or four people we've hired here um, that were not from Nashville you know, are coming from Michigan and California and they're they're moving here, um, you know, and taking a job with us. So like that's a that's a pretty big move and a, and a obviously gives us a lot of confidence that it is an attractive place to, to work and live. And, um, yeah, we love it here. Uh, we, we haven't had too much, uh, of a difficult time recruiting talent because I think everybody here is Nashville and, and they know that it's a, a good time, but also, uh, you know, a, a city with low unemployment, a lot of fun things to do, good food, good vibe. 
Yeah, if you're in your early to mid-20s and you're starting out in logistics, we're better than Nashville, right? Sure. I mean, it's, it's a great place. How is that talent market? You know, you, you said that people are moving in from Michigan, et cetera, and, st- and, and that type of stuff. I'm from Ohio. I live down here. That's why I live down here is because I'm from Ohio. I'm one of the smart ones that left. Is it hard bringing people into the business right now, or are you more remote from work now than you used to be? Where, where, where's, the, where's the table at with the recruiting? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we started Silo in May of 20, so like right in the middle of the pandemic mm-hmm. um obviously we had some some work from home there for a little while but you know we had some good protocols good you know good hr policies and we actually jumped into the office by june of 20. that being oh. said we had plenty of fire drills um you know there's any sort of exposure or whatnot and everybody was picking up their monitors and going home for a week but uh we felt like that gave us a competitive advantage that being said we do have some remote employees um in south carolina and minnesota uh, as well as, you know, some other places. So we do have a little bit of a hybrid going, but the vast majority of our folks are in the office every day. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Andy, if people who want to go over to your company, like, uh, unfortunately, the way the economy is right now and what happened last year, a lot of companies overhired. We're seeing, you know, people get let go. There's new talent out on the market. There's people who just got out of school mm. who are on the market. If they want to go to Nashville, they want to go to Music City. They want to go to 3PL City. Where do we send them to? <laughs> No, you, you send them to you send them to Silo. Uh, check out our company LinkedIn page. Um, you know we've got a, a great Tennessee is doing a fantastic job working with our head of HR Trace and, and bringing in new talent. I will say our north star has always been responsible growth. Um, we did see a lot of people doubling, tripling down on you know just rapid hiring in 2020, 2021. and 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 we did as well. You know we've grown from 14 to over 50 folks in our organization. But we're not, you know, the, the company right now that's bringing on 10, 15 folks at a time. We're very picky and cheesy about the folks that we do bring on because we invest so heavily in them and have uh, essentially next to zero turnover. Yeah, man. Smart, I, sustainable, strategic growth. I like that 50 to 80 spot when I got here at, at Freightwave. It's a great, it's a great environment, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it really is. is. It's, and it's funny too, because you add just like 40 more, you get to like 120 and it's kind of, it's, it's different. Things yeah. become more oh, yeah. departmental at that point where yeah. 80, it's kind of like this huge shared space, but you start yeah. bursting at the seams at that point too. Yeah. You, you kind of need you all do. that direction. You do. You well, do. it sounds like a great place to grow with. I hope they come down here. And I also hope you and the team come down here to Chattanooga sometime, stop by the studio, sit at the desk with us. We'd have a great time. Absolutely. We owe you a visit. All right, man. Amen. Take it easy. Enjoy that hot chicken. Yeah, yeah. We, we, gotta, we, do, we do do an on-site in Nashville, though, man. Well, I know, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> it's instead. a great place I, to go do an on-site. We're dying to get out of here. You need us to come down. Just invite us. We are dying to. Uh, we will come to you in Nashville to get out of here, especially after like the whole pandemic thing. That's been the cool part of this year. Yeah, since we've been able to come in. By the way, I recognize that man that's messing with the computer right now. I can see Who's him in that? That, the back of the green room. He just closed it out. That was. Uh, he did close it out. <laughs> anyways, meanwhile. Dad, look at this. Is he gonna pull it off? Oh, wow! That was fantastic. I could not do that when I was eight. I could not do that when I was eighteen. I could not do that when I was twenty, and I could not do that now. Is there any chance that that's not real? Any chance at all? No. If you see his other videos, it's totally real. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, Because it's really, really well done. If it's not real, he does all sorts, man. He's living the life. I love. When did he learn this? When he was like 
55? I know, because, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to question his age here, but it doesn't seem like oh, he would have yeah, been like a He's older than I am, and I didn't have a bike like that when I was a kid. A nice, nice mongoose? <laughs> it's a nice bike. Anyways, let's tip the band one more time. Search Transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Non-competes chase away good talent and stop talented people from joining the supply chain industry. Tear up your non-compete. It's not enforceable. Instead, what you're going to want to do is email jobs at searchtransportation.com and do what? Hey, you're going to open your office tomorrow. That's what you're going to do. History lesson, Michael Vincent. For over 35 years, Fleetworthy Solutions has provided a single source of solutions that monitor and manage DOT compliance while mitigating risk for private and for hire carriers. With advanced technologies and exceptional client services, Fleetworthy becomes an extension of your team to make your company go beyond God. compliant. All right, let's get over to Ryan Knight. He's been sitting patiently over in the green room. He is the Senior Director of Enterprise Sales over at Netrodyne, and he's going to help keep us safe. But before he does that, talk a little about Ohio State. He studied aviation over there. Oh, oh, hey, OH, brother. (laughs) I.O. All right, let's do it. National Championship this year. Across the field, show them Ohio. Oh, sorry. Oh, he's got it. I got it. What did they finish? National championship this year, college football? Uh, I think so. I think we're uh, heading to the national championship. I think it'll be another duel against uh, the Buckeyes and uh, the Crimson Tide. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I'd like yeah, that team it. from up north's got to come to Ohio Stadium this year. They don't got a chance. Not a prayer. Yeah. Not a chance. Not a chance. Always good when you can, <laughs> you can rub it into Kevin Hill's face, too. Always good to cover. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> well, the offensive line on Ohio State keeps their quarterback safe, but how do small businesses and medium businesses, how do they need, how do they and why do they need a video safety solution? Great, great question, guys. And I think any size transportation company needs to protect, you know, first and foremost, their business and their drivers. So, um, you know, getting a, a video safety system is paramount. So whether you have 10,000 trucks or you have, you know, you know, one truck, I think video having the opportunity to videotape the entire driving experience is is essential, again, for protection. So I would, you know, uh, advocate that anybody driving, uh, whether it's a, a car, truck, van, what have you, you know, get video in there and, and protect yourself and mo- most importantly, the driver. That makes Perfect sense to me, Ryan. Now, I'm a small to medium sized business, right? Carrier. And every dime that I spend is really, really important. So how do I evaluate to make sure that I'm getting, you know, the right one, not too little, but one that's going to make sure. stuff done, get it done. No, another great question. So I think the, the fleet needs to examine where their pain points are and whether they have a lot of accidents or incidents, a uh, lot of uh, claim damage, um, drivers getting, um, you know, speeding violations, got to take all those pain points and then go do your research on any number of video transportation, you know, vendors out there. Um, each of us provides something a little different. Some are more comprehensive than others. Some are just a basic dash cam. Some like Netrodyne are going to provide you with a comprehensive scorecard and videotaping the entire driving experience. So gather the pain points, um, look to uh, do a pilot. I, I suggest uh, side by side. Uh, we love going side by side against our competition to show where our value um, comes out a little better than theirs. And um, do your research. Talk to other fleets. Talk to other safety or fleet managers. Who are they using? What has worked well for their operation? Again, somebody who operates 100 trucks, 
is operating differently from somebody that's got a thousand trucks. So I'd say um, do a pilot and um, again, what tackles your challenges and pain points uh, the best. You know, Ryan, on this show, we watch a lot of dash cam video. We see mm, a lot yes, of accidents do. happen on here. And in, in a lot of them, I have to assume that the person who has that dash cam that's recording is very thankful because usually <laughs> the ones we show, it's not their fault because it tends to be like when you, it is your fault. You don't upload that video to the internet unless you're really not that smart, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, what type of solution do you all offer for this? What type, what type of video? Video is changing a lot. Now it's 2022. Yeah, it's it's dynamic, it's fluid, it's 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 changing, you know, every year. So we provide a vision-based driver recognition and and fleet safety solution. So we start out with uh videotaping the whole driving event. So with that, we're able to capture not only the unsafe um, you know, things that happen when you're driving a vehicle down the road, but we are really focusing on the positive events. Mm. Driving a, a, a truck these days, this is a tough environment. There's a lot of construction, a ton of traffic. So it, it's tough. You are making split decisions every second. So um, us videotaping the entire event and then focusing on the positive where you can start a conversation off with a driver and say, hey, you are doing this really, really well. Then you can move into say, hey, but we want to work you work on coaching you on, you know, maybe not speeding as many times or, um, you know, less hard braking events, you know, get your, get your head out of the cloud, so to speak. And in, in front of the, uh, in, in looking out, you know, using your Smith system uh, tactics. So um, really focusing on the positive enables you to coach a lot easier. We believe with drivers, because if you're constantly just hammering the driver with you're doing this poorly or that poorly, you know, they're going to tune you out and then they're probably going to go look for another job, you know, down the street. And we're really trying to cut down on that, um, um, uh, cut down on that, uh, you know, retention. So, yeah, positive reinforcement, positive coaching. Totally get it. Totally on board with that. It's it is great. And I mean, listen to what you're talking about. You can uh, certainly extrapolate a lot of benefits from this. But can you specifically go through that? the driver eye and what those benefits are uh, that Netrodyne uh, provides to those small to medium sized businesses in particular. Absolutely. So, you know, a small medium sized business is not going to have a lot of extra people sitting around doing, you know, not doing anything, waiting to watch video. We don't want you sitting there watching video all day. We are going to provide you a comprehensive driver scorecard where you can go uh, attack the areas of where a driver needs, you know, needs work and specifically what drivers need work. So it's based on a scorecard on the whole driving day. So then you can say, Hey, I need to go talk to, you know, Jim Smith. There's a lot of speeding events today and tackle that where you're not going to go talk to Jim about running, you know, traffic lights because he didn't. So, you know, specifically talk to those drivers where the score, you know, needs coaching and then the scorecard that provides, you know, really great numbers. Hey, go applaud those drivers. Provide that recognition. Um, have driver of the week, driver of the month, driver of the quarter, what have you. Recognize them in front of the fleet, and it provides that gamification where the other driver is like, hey, I want to be on that top 10 driver, mm. you know, uh, list. I want to get in the raffle for, you know, the the, the gift card after every month. So it, that's where we provide this, this comprehensive scorecard. And then enables, you know, you don't have a lot of people then having to manage each driver in their video. You're managing a score and then you're going in there and you can get very granular by getting into 
um, our driver profiles within our uh, platform. Wow. Well, really cool. If if people are interested in this, these small to medium-sized businesses, where do I send them to? Well, go to netrodine.com. And we are at most trade shows, state events. We're very uh, active within um, the trucking industry, whether it be TCA, ATA, MPTC, and a multitude of others. So, uh, but netrodine.com will give you um, a real easy direction on um, how to contact us. And we'll have certainly a, a marketing or sales individual in your territory reach out to you very quickly. All right, Ryan, we'll let you get back to practicing your BMX stunts. And uh, <laughs> Are you any good on a BMX? I grew up with those, but I, I just couldn't pull those stunts off. Are you any good on one? You know what? I did have a mongoose, um, you know, and uh, my brother and I, we built, you know, we're Gen Xers. So we built the ramps and jumped over our friends and, you know, used our sisters as, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, things you'd jump over. Like, don't worry, you won't get hurt. But uh, I can't do tricks like that. But uh, um, I uh, I definitely am a fan of the BMX bike. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Bring it back. Well, I, thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Appreciate your time. Today. Hey, thank you, guys. Have a great week. You too. Right on. Look, how about for him? For just being yeah, absolutely. Club. I'd like I'm, to find out how he went from aviation to videos inside trucks and stuff like that. Sure. Well, I mean, I grew up with BMXs too, right? Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did the dirt trails, the jumps like he's talking yeah, about, pulled yeah. the girls on roller skates, you know, on the yeah, back. Yeah, sure. Although the banana seats. Remember the banana seats? I had 70s? one of those, absolutely. Those were like for, hanger, monk, uh, Yeah, they were too heavy, though. Yeah, and I then the BMX them. came around, and it was super light, and you yeah. could do awesome tricks sure. on it. But then... I want to say like early nineties, the mountain bike came out and then like the mountain bike killed BMX culture for a long time. Yeah, sure. It did. It's coming back. Though. Pushed it underground. It's coming back. Hey. A lot of the Gen Xers, they're bringing it back. They want to the great things the always come. Well, back. You know what happens? You get your kids, right? Like yeah. your kids, you start teaching them how to ride the bike and then you get a BMX. So you can ride along with them. There you go. Relive the dream. I love get it. Nice I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to do that this afternoon. Get a, go get a mongoose. Sure. Why not? Let's go get some bikes. <laughs> let's do it. All right, let's see what the hell is going on in the rest of the world of freight. This is something right here that you all need to keep an eye out for. A lot of contract talks that could imperil freight. We got LW, right? We got the railroads going on. And we also, in just about one year's time, yeah, it's been 25 years since UPS has shut down, right? Yeah. Let's hear what their Teamsters have to say right now about what their plans are. Who loads the trucks? Who delivers the trucks? Who drives the trucks? Union workers. Union workers. Teamsters, right? If we don't work, this company doesn't work. And they know that. And so they get scared, right? They get scared. And so when they get scared, they start cracking down. And they want to make you afraid. They want to make you feel like you're in this on your own, right? You're out there in that truck. It's late at night. You're getting messages on your diet. Supervisors harassing you, wondering when you're going to bring in that volume, wondering if you're going to deliver that misload. And you feel like you're on your own, right? But I want you guys to remember one thing. No matter where you are, you're a part of a brotherhood. You're part of a sisterhood. That's the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, right? And if we carry that with us at all times, if you've got your union pin, you've got your union hat, but more importantly, if you've got union heart, like all of us out here got, we're going to make this company pay and we're going to get the contract we deserve, all right? So please, guys, every day between now and August 1st and next year, enforce your contract. Don't give them an inch, not one inch. Management wants you to compromise. You say, fuck that. I don't make side deals. I'm a teamster. I got a union contract. I'm going to enforce that contract, right? And if we do that every day between now and August 1st, we don't give up one inch 
to this company, we can take a mile from them and we can get a contract that we actually deserve. So let's All go. Right. Right. You heard the man. Get up one inch. Take we are getting one inch. They'll take an inch. They'll take a mile. Why? Why are you? Why were you laughing though? You don't like what he had to say? Because this guy is hundred percent convinced that he's the solution. <laughs> Sean Orr. Well, I think he's saying the union is right. I mean, he sounded like a union guy yelling about it. Hey, we're gonna make sure we strike next year by pissing off the company as best as you can for the next year. <laughs> I, I mean, isn't that like a lot of like these kind of speeches when contracts come up? Though? Yeah, I mean, no, you gotta it, have it, that. It is. I just you? I've been through it and I remember the one twenty five years ago. And here's the thing. This guy didn't go through that strike. No, he didn't. If there are guys on those lines and listening to him, I guarantee you the people that are clapping there yeah. never been through one of these strikes. Yeah. It is a serious and it's a pain in the ass. And I've been through two of them. And the time, the guys that had been through them previously were not on that picket line help hoping for that strike. Well, not is it just serious and a pain in the ass, but 25 years, the world was different. Not everything was yeah. as reliant on instant delivery. Sure. And what UPS does, the growth there has been sure. infinitesimal, or not infinitesimal, that'd be small. That'd be like yeah. Infinitely <laughs> larger. Infinite. <laughs> but Reds fan says, so a couple of people responding here, said, I was a supervisor at UPS in Reno, and it was the most annoying job I've had. You had guys on top sending things down the slide, um, and the slide would constantly get stuck. Everything, every time I went to unjam it and help the guys on the top in the trucks, I got written up by a union steward. They sure, they would grieve, and then you'd ha- you'd owe them a, a, a worker's pay wage because you helped somebody out. You did a union job, and this guy is saying, "Hey, don't let them help you. Don't help them. Don't work together. Yeah. Be as big a pain in the ass as you can." Well, it's crazy. Pizza Prol says never voted yes on contract yet because the union continues to leave part timers in poverty every contract. So this doesn't like that. He said, hope we can do better next time. He wants part-timers considered. Although I haven't seen many unions really stand or, or, or do the work for uh, people who are outside the union. I mean, that's kind of. Yeah, I, well, I don't know what he's talking about part-timers and how that works in UPS. In the LTL days, it was, uh, they're called union, union casuals. And they were pretty well represented in the, in the, in the union. Anyways, well, Cali Girl 2505, she says UPS workers are some of the hardest workers she's ever seen. They should get paid what they deserve. So keep an eye on this Don't disagree with that. By August 1st of next year, they have to get this settled or, you know, we could be in some trouble and let's hope they do. We could. It's just, and, and listen, I think everybody, and they do work harder, a hundred percent. I'm not against the, the worker or the union worker. It's just that attitude is what causes a strike is yeah. that let's fight them now and really piss them off instead of, Hey, let's work together and get this thing figured out. Yeah. But yeah. The, on the other hand, but then the other hand is you have to, you have to consider that big corporate is going to come in yeah. and yeah, no, I get and it. do the work for you. I, Who both sides, that? I've been in that us, them environment. Neither side is right. It yeah. sucks. I agree. I agree. I agree. Hey, check this out. You ever wanted a frosty this bad, my friend? Check out these people in, in this video right here. They're coming around the corner here, and you got to look to the right-hand side because okay. you're going to notice that there's a magnet over here that's just going to suck them right in. See that big Wendy's oh, sign right Wendy's there? Wendy's coming up. Check it out. Just watch. No. Oh, boom. Must have really wanted a frosty. They wanted a frosty, my friend. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, you see that move so often, and it's like it is one of the dumbest moves you can do. There's barely any traffic on the road. Why are you making a turn across multiple lanes? Because the turning lane's people. in the center of the street. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> They're in like the far left lane over here. Dude. I don't know why they do. They had to redeem that. Uh, they had to redeem that coupon off of uh, the Kellogg's box. Or the something. person who sent this video said that that was his wife in the car. Fortunately, she is oh, okay. Really? Uh, that's, wow. She's okay. The car is total though. Oh, well, you can see that it's 
yeah, it's pretty messed up. I mean, even that that camera was knocked right off. Is that a? I don't know if that that camera on the. Uh, we were rear, just talking about cameras. Like how how important is it to have the camera right here when you get in one of these? Well, accidents? I, well it. I mean, your insurance claim is going to be pretty quick and easy, right? I, although I'm not <laughs> sure. Like what? That's that situation looks pretty cut and dry when someone is parallel to the road from another lane and you hit them. I don't know uh, how much more evidence. Yeah, you need yeah. I don't know that scene. there's going to be that many drawings. Oof. You're going to need to figure out what happened that was here. Brutal. Thank looking. God they're okay. Yeah, right. Well, they could have I mean, saved themselves some money. I was at uh, Walmart yesterday. They had look Wendy's frosty cereal. You can get this. They're trying to kill us with the uh, with the sugar now. Although, that's what I was saying. Maybe here, they had the coupon off of that. But here, well, that's the thing. Yeah, you bring home the home edition. <laughs> the problem is it comes with a free frosty, so that maniac is still going to get out in the road. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> they're they're running there. They're trying to down that thing to get that uh, find a. The By the way, the I had that for breakfast this morning, and did my as did my five year old, and yeah. his review was thumbs down. He didn't even finish it. Really? He said he thought there would be more marshmallows in there. Mm. I thought the marshmallows would taste like French fries, so I personally too was not really a fan. The kids do the diving in there to find the prize in the bottom. They don't make. They don't do that anymore. They don't put. They haven't done that in like twenty five years. Wow, I'm old. Thirty years. Yeah, a little submarine you put the baking soda in and floats to the top of the bathtub. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Sea monkeys. They don't give you nothing. None of that. None of it. Nothing is in there anymore. That's baloney, man. Well, we saw an excavator as a getaway car. How about a Yugo? Let's take a look at this car. Whoa. It's not wow. getting away from the cops in that one. Jason Bourne would have got away. <laughs> do you think a Yugo, so, what do you think makes a better getaway vehicle, though? A, a Yugo, that killdozer, or a excavator? Oh, wow. Um, it depends on who hands, uh, whose hands you're in. I think Jason Bourne, any of them are good. I'm, I'm going with the Yugo just for the speed of it. Just don't turn, right? And hopefully it stays on because the other ones you're not getting away. So I had a Hyundai Excel. It was like one okay. of my first cars yeah. when I was yeah, yeah. 17. And I was a waiter, and my buddy was was messing around with this other waitress. And she had, like, this this older boyfriend, this dude Gary, right? Uh-oh. Called Diamond Gary. Diamond, Diamond Gary. Gary. And he you would don't drive, mess around with the girlfriend of Diamond Gary, Diamond, dude. He drives what the hell's the matter with you? One day, we're driving down the road, right? We're driving yeah. down Great Plain Avenue or Webster Street, and I see this car behind me. And, uh-huh. and it's his. It's his uh, It's his muscle car. So he starts chasing us through the town. And my Excel, like, cannot go very fast. But no. It was nice about it. It was nimble. I could go over lawns quicker than him. So I escaped by just driving through some lawns around ah, someone's pool and out the back. Yeah. The scary thing is he knew yeah. where we worked, but he never came after us afterwards. Oh, man. My goodness. I would only do a Yugo if I didn't have a Daewoo, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you need a new truck, my friend? Yeah, why not? Buy one and get one free, dude. That's what it used to be. Look at wow. that. <laughs> a BOGO on trucks. Look at this. What is Dodge it? Buy thing. a Dodge Heavy Duty truck a... and get a Dodge Custom Special pickup for free. It's a $3,854 value. Let's call it four grand. Right? Yeah. What is that in today's money, son? I don't know what year this is. This looks maybe like late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, it looks, yeah. And do you guys know if someone out there knows what you can, they can tell us? There's no date on this ad, but we put in the inflation calculator that it was 1970. And if it was, that would be about a $30,000 truck that you got for free thrown in. Yeah. No, there's got to be a trucking geek out there that's looking at the style of that Dodge uh, truck and going, yeah, that's a uh, 670. Don't tell us inflation is transitory. We see this Mm. ad right here. Back in the day, you used to buy a truck and you get a pickup truck. Now you buy a truck and you don't get a pickup truck. Now you buy a truck and you don't get a truck. Yeah, now you buy a truck and you got to (laughs) wait. You don't even get the Transitory, it doesn't even arrive. (laughs) You don't even get it. Rate this album cover for me. We're looking at... On Through the Night by Def Leppard. It's a giant flatbed truck, right? Yeah. With a giant guitar on the back. Yeah. What do you think? Me? 1980s, Uh, On Through the Night. This is an A++++. This is one of the most iconic albums there should be ever made. I love this album cover. There's so much going on here that the untrained eye would not see. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like what? 
Well, uh, for instance, uh, let's just go right to the heat of the matter right here. Yeah. Check out that license plate, yeah. my friend. There's it's a skew. It looks like the designer it, had it centered, but then the truck was moved to skew, but they didn't yeah. move the license plate. It's a skew. It's hanging from the bottom. It doesn't make sense. And specifically, the only thing you can read on it is 2MS 180. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, well, you know, I think it has something to do with uh, robotics, and they were predicting the rise of uh, of robots. There's a song on there, you know, watch out for the the Rock Brigade. Watch yeah. out for the Rock Brigade. I think they were warning us of the coming of robots. It's an, inter- that- it's an interesting album, too, because you can very much hear uh, the rock and the punk sort of at war with each yes. other. It was, it was yeah. a 1980 album. You can kind of see where hard rock was going and how it was separating itself from punk. A curious listen. Not the best listen, but very curious uh, the, the, the time that it came out. Speaking of songs you and john brewer cut a new track it's called uh well you you introduce it it's called i can't stand 85 john brewer did the lyrics on this took me a couple uh weeks to let's get this it. done let's hear it shut Check up it out. time and this is it you know <laughs> maybe they were warning us about 85 <laughs> i'll tell you a, a, a funny story okay i love funny right, so, you know the movie twister yeah it's a movie twister uh van helen was contracted to do a track for the soundtrack and um uh that was when sammy hager was with the band it was 19 that movie came out in like 19 mid 90s sammy hager was in the band it was after yeah. um unlawful carnal knowledge came out it was like the next thing they okay. did well, I guess Sammy Hagar, he like they, he, he was hellbent on writing a song about tornadoes because tornado movie. The director told him not to. Eddie Van Halen told him not to. Uh, well, Eddie Van Halen says he still did it. He, he submits these lyrics. Sky is turning black. Knuckles turning white. Headed for the hot zone. It was complete tornado stuff. Yeah. yeah. Don't write stuff about tornadoes. So I guess Sammy Hagar, like they, they said, he was completely impossible to work with. Although Van Halen seems like they were not the easiest brothers to work with. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, right, yeah. Eddie, I think Eddie was a little bit difficult to work with as well. <laughs> I would say so. Who would you rather work with, Sammy or uh, David Lee Roth? Uh, he said whenever they would suggest something to Sammy, he was very sensitive and he would just stop talking to Eddie Van Halen. 
Wow. That's hard to work. That's hard when you bring wow. someone to a band, you got this vision, you want them to help with it, and they're kind of like... The diva. Yeah, it's like, Sammy, you're in Van Halen. Yeah. You're not in Hagar. Yeah, Van Halen didn't join the Red Rocker. The no. Red Rocker became Van Halen. Red Rocker did a great song for the Over the Top soundtrack, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I, I would have let him run with the tornado. I, yeah, I saw Hagar and... Um, um, uh, uh, I saw him in 78, 79 yeah. in Cleveland Auditorium. Awesome. Nice. Well, Amazing. coming up Wednesday, it's a special with the truck. We are going to be live from Supply Chain Meets Fintech. It's presented by Freight Waves and Payments. Maybe we have a cool graphic. Uh, who's coming along here? So we'll be on at 12.30. It starts oh, at yeah. 9. Yeah. Go to live.freightwaves.com to register. It is free. we got some amazing guests. And then after that, next Thursday, it's What the Truck After Dark. 7 p.m. We're working with uh, Amazon Web Services and Stratus Grid to bring you this. Anyways, find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Don't be a stranger and tell him how to be. Peace and love. Spread it everywhere.